0: Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government market, this podcast is for you. Today we're talking about gratuities in the government market. There's a pretty strict set of rules around gratuities, maybe a surprise to folks that are only used to dealing in the commercial world. This podcast is brought to you by the team of former contracting officers at Skyway Acquisition. Take the next step as a Contracting Officer podcast listener. Get a personal license. Learn more at skywaymember.com. Okay, let's get started with gratuities.
1: I was consulting with one of our clients, and they asked for help with their ethics program because they really hadn't done a lot of government contracts. They were 90% commercial, and they needed to understand the difference between the ethics in the commercial market versus how the federal government works. And since a lot of what I explained about FAR Part 3, which is improper business practices, by the way, uh, it it came as a shock to them. Like we ended up building an entire custom training program for all their employees so they could understand you can't just take gifts from people.
0: Yeah, it's quite different. I, I know I've told this story before on the podcast, but I was quite shocked as a very junior government contracts specialist, manager, negotiator, whatever my title was when we were buying business jets for the Air Force. And as we traveled around the country, doing our market research and interfacing with all the business jet manufacturers, one of them h- handed us a, a coffee mug or a, a pen or maybe a keychain or something and said, I'm sorry, this is, this is all I can give you. And then he kind of showed us a table in the corner and says, if you were a commercial customer, here's what we would give you. And there's a leather a new brief. Car. Yeah, right. There's a leather briefcase. There that's like the lowest level of gift is uh, this amazing leather briefcase. And he said, What we'd really do is we would put you on our plane and fly you to Paris for dinner. <laughs> that that's that's how it works in the commercial world. That's okay. We're going to show you how great our aircraft is by giving you a free ride across the ocean in it where we could we can have you trapped and can sell you during that pitch, but we're going to buy you a fancy dinner in Paris and fly you back. And that's, that's normal. That's normal, but not for government folks. So I took my coffee mug and smiled and said, thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not market research for government. Folks. <laughs> and this is an example of when you don't know what you don't know, it can hurt you. I mean, the best case in that scenario, if they, if, hey, hey, Paul, get on the jet, we're going to go to Paris, is an awkward conversation If you're like, yeah, I can't do that. And so you feel awkward, they feel awkward, I and mean, that's, kind of that's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is that they could be accused of attempting to bribe you or, or you know, pick a source selection scenario where that doesn't end badly when that story gets out. So ignorance of how this works doesn't give you a pass.
0: Yeah, it was, it was really good that the guys at that company understood the difference between commercial and government market and didn't. Make it any more awkward than it had to be as he handed me my lovely coffee mug. <laughs> Do you still have the coffee mug? I'm gonna say no. <laughs> go. so go. <laughs> All right, before we get any deeper, let's stop and say thanks.
1: Say thanks this week, and I apologize, I may butcher the name. It's Henrik Brun from Telestein Rolsen. Here's the cool part he's in Copenhagen, Denmark.
0: No wonder you have trouble pronouncing the name and the company. Henrik Henrik Brun from Telestarelsen.
1: Yeah, we're, we're going to go with that. He gave us a great review. Here's a summary of his review. He said, you guys deliver very valuable insight into how customers think. I used to count on my own intuition, but after discovering your podcast, I've been able to confirm approximately one-third of my initial truths, and he said in quotes, but more importantly, you've completely changed my perspective on the other two-thirds, which were my wrong assumptions. That's a great review. So thanks, Henrik, and I apologize if I'm butchering your name.
0: That's awesome. Thanks so much, and yes, sorry for our lack of pronunciation skills. What are we talking about today? Contractor gratuities to government personnel. So this is FAR time. We're in FAR Part 3.2, and the rules about contractor gratuities to government personnel apply to all executive agencies, but the rules are even stricter if you happen to be working with the Department of Defense.
1: No surprise there.
0: <laughs> yeah. I wonder why they're stricter with DOD. I'll give my little reading. FAR 32. Dot, what is it? 3.202. There you go. 202. Okay. It says, this, this is the prescription. The contracting officer shall insert the clause, 52.203-3, gratuities, in solicitations and contracts exceeding the simplified acquisition threshold.
1: Which is currently $150,000. So if your contract's worth over $150K, this clause applies. All this stuff we're talking about
0: applies. The next step is very important. 3.203 says that agency personnel shall report suspected violations of the gratuities clause to the contracting officer or other designated officials. So this says government folks, they have to report if they feel like someone has broken the rules. Now, more importantly, what happens? 3.204, treatment of violations. So if a government employee reports a suspected violation of this clause, the agency takes a couple steps. And the FAR says this is the agency head's job, but usually it's delegated to someone else, a designee, and that's okay. First, they have to determine whether or not a contractor offered or gave a gratuity, and we'll get into more detail what that is, but big picture a gratuity is an entertainment or gift. Did the contractor offer a gratuity to an officer, official, or employee of the government? So that's everybody that works for the government. And the next part is the important
1: part. It's subparagraph two says it's intended by the gratuity to obtain a contract or favorable treatment. In other words, did they intend for that gratuity to get them something? And that's a judgment call. We're back to the thinking part of the job here. So after they've looked it over and they say, hey, did he intend – he or she – intend to get something for that? And then what happens when they find out that, yeah, they did intend to get something for it?
0: And if the agency head or designee determines that there was an offer and an intent, they can terminate the contractor's contract or it says right to proceed, so right to continue in a competition. They can initiate debarment or suspension – measures that's bad or if it's dod they can assess exemplary damages so you can be eliminated from being able to ever compete in the government market and you can have damages fines we'll talk more about that in a minute let's move on to the clause itself 52 3 gratuities this is the clause that we just said has to be inserted
1: yeah and if we unpack the clause what what it What it says is the right of the contractor to proceed may be terminated by written notice if, after notice and hearing, the agency head or designee determines that the contractor, its agency, its agents, sorry, or other representatives, right, offered or gave a gratuity to basically anybody in the government. And then here's the scary part. That intended by the gratuity to obtain a contract or favorable treatment under the contract. So in other words, that means getting a contract, which is acquisition time zones, and also favorable treatment under a contract, which is execution time zones. So this applies throughout the entire life cycle. That's why it's important to understand that even if you have the contract – you may have had the contract for three years, and if you offer something that's perceived to be a gratuity outside the lines, you can get smacked over the head for it. So that's why it's important to understand the implication of this clause.
0: And the clause clarifies that the facts supporting the agency head's determination may be reviewed by a court. So this can actually – be taken to court, if the contract is terminated, the government has the same rights, can pursue the same remedies as if the contract was breached. So that that's that's the bad kind of termination. Yeah. And if it's DOD, in addition to damages, other damages provided by the law, it says... The government is entitled to exemplary damages of not less than three, nor more than 10 times the cost incurred by the contractor in giving gratuities to the person concerned.
1: So if it's a $100,000 bribe, sorry, if it's a $100,000 gratuity, which right. one could a flight to Paris and back for seven people? Could be. it's could be a, up to a million dollar, would be called exemplary damage.
0: Wow. that's Yeah, that's the way I read it. So that's a lot. The last thing the clause says is, these rights and remedies are not exclusive. They're in addition to the other any other rights and remedies provided by the law.
1: So it's, it's stacked on top of all the other stuff you have to <laughs> follow in the law. That's nice.
0: So you already touched on when this applies. It's really across all of the acquisition time zones and during execution of the contract. I think most of the time when you hear about these things, you tend to think in the acquisition time zones, in the requirement zone, where maybe requirements are trying to be shaped to fit a particular contractor's capabilities or the market research zone, that's when that might happen. But it can also be, like you said, any time during performance of the contract where the contractor slips the government a little something-something to get favorable treatment.
1: Let's say it's in the recompete zone where in order to let the customer know this new technology you have, you take them out for dinner and then give them a copy of this piece of software, which might be worth, I don't know, thousand bucks, 500 bucks, $10, whatever. But you see the point. It's like that, that happens all the time. It's market research. That happens all the time on the commercial side. Not just do you but-
0: want to demonstrate here a demo copy of it, but here, here's a copy for your home use. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, there's a,
1: there's a line. And once you know where the line is, this isn't hard. It's just, if you don't know where the line is, you trip over it and, and, and on your face.
0: Yeah. You just segued right into why this is so important to understand. This gets real in the government market. We want to assume that people are good and ethical and are going to do the right thing, but people are people. Some people are just crooked. Other people get caught up in in seemingly innocent behavior, and they cross the line. And this is where you might not understand the difference between the commercial market and the government market, where in the commercial market, taking a client out to dinner may be normal behavior for the marketing phase of the sale. But in the government market, that could be over the line.
1: And my brother works for a large company, and uh, that took their clients out for a big meeting, and I was just talking to him about it. And he said that the bar bill was $2,000. And I kind of – and jokingly told him, by the way, as a government employee – and this is back when I worked for the government. I said I, I, can, I can't accept more than like $50 a year I think is the standard in, in the DOD agency. And he, he, you know, he spit out his drink. He was laughing so hard at To <laughs> <laughs> fathom that idea when he just – you know, put $2,000 on his corporate card just from the bar for this big event they had. So it's different, not right, wrong. It's just different. And you got to know that.
0: There are rules about bribery, but it's kind of hazy in the commercial market, you know, blatant bribery. That's no, not good. But a lot of money is spent entertaining clients. And you can hear the air quotes, there. entertaining clients in the government world. The FAR says you can't accept any gratuities, any entertainment or gifts, tickets to a football game, a meal, but it also allows for agencies to create their own regulations on how much a government employee is allowed to accept. And it's usually something like no more than $50, no more than $50 worth of value a year and in no more than $20 increments or something. So you can't get to $25 tickets at once, but you could get 2 $10 tickets to, I don't know what, what kind of show is 10 bucks anymore to a movie. You could, you can accept movie passes. Now you can't even go to a movie yeah. for 10 bucks anymore. Chuck E. Cheese. What we're trying yeah, I, to say is you can't accept much at all. If you're a government employee and if you're a contractor, you can't offer much at all.
1: Yeah. That that's the takeaway.
0: Why is this important to the government folks, Kevin?
1: It's an easy way to end your career.
0: Um, there are examples,
1: <laughs> you, you, and you Google it, you'll find people that, you know, they, they, they are no longer, in some cases they're in prison, in other cases they're no longer for the government for screwing this up. Uh, but really it results in mission impact uh, because this it's a distraction. If we're wondering, oh, well, was this a gratuity, was this intent, all that time they spend trying to figure out if it's an intent, we're not working on the contract. And now it's a distraction from the mission, it takes longer to get things awarded. Etc. Right? If you're so,
0: if you're performing on a current contract and there's a gratuity that crosses the line and they have to terminate the contract, oh man, everything stops. You have to recompete and award another contract. This is yeah. mission. So yeah, the people part is you could end your career because the FAR requires these type of situations to be reported. But the real deal beyond the people is the mission, the taxpayer dollars. The the soldiers' lives in some cases that could be impacted by these rules. And it's not much different on the industry side. This is an easy way to get fired. And that's on the personal level. But on the company side, the penalties for the company are significant. There is really not anything bigger for a company than debarment. If you're a government contractor, if you rely on government business and you're debarred, you're done. You, you may go out of business because you're not allowed to compete on government contracts anymore. That's a bad thing.
1: Yeah, that's not a black eye that you wash off. <laughs> or, or that heals. <laughs> that's probably the right way to say it.
0: All right, we've covered the basic differences between the commercial and government market and what's allowed as far as entertaining clients or gratuities.
1: And if you want to get really deep, read far part three. But really what the the key the key factor here is okay, briberies are never good. You talked about the bribery is never legal. That's a different issue. But this idea of what's a gratuity, what's allowed, not being aware of those rules, you know, the, the whole you don't know what you don't know rule, will, will get you in trouble. And it's it's an easy thing to grasp once you realize, oh, I just need to treat my government customers differently. The reason this is a big deal is it's awkward. This is one of the reasons that I didn't like to do market research as a CEO. Because I'd go, like you talked about, there's a table over there. That company knew this table over here is the stuff
0: you can't have. So I, went, <laughs> I actually I went, wish he wouldn't have shown it to me.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. That's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword showing it to you. But I, I remember going to events and somebody would offer me something and I'm like, dude, I, I can't take that. And then it's this awkward thing where they're like, you, are you mad at me? Are you? Well, you must like some other contractor better. I mean, all these things get in the way of the conversation where I'm just trying to look at their product or That Just keep that in mind when not knowing these rules is a distraction all by itself.
0: And if you're on the industry side, if you do business with both the government and the commercial industry, recognize that these rules apply and the world is different. You can keep yourself out of trouble. You can avoid those just basic awkward situations like you said.
1: And and that's exactly why that consulting client brought us in to train their folks because they were all commercial salespeople. And they're like, what do you mean I can't just you know, take him to the Bucs game? <laughs> so it was, it was interesting.
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem like it would be a big deal, but, but this has significant impact on a lot of people's careers on the government side. All right, Kevin, I'll talk to you later. See you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. And thanks to our sponsor, Skyway Acquisition. The number one question Kevin gets asked about Skyway is, Does Skyway do personalized consulting? And the the answer is yes. Skyway's team of CEOs is available on call for their customers. It's like having a dozen former contracting officers working in your office. We'll see you next week.